Welcome to Take Up and Read, a bite-sized Bible study podcast on the Sunday Catholic Mass readings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. This Sunday is the fifth Sunday of Easter in year C. Our first reading is Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 27, which continues Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, featured in last Sunday's reading. Notice that the duo visits Antioch again, even after the hostility shown by some enforcing their departure. In the verses immediately prior to our lectionary reading, Paul was actually stoned and left for dead. Paul will later write of this occasion in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, as proof of his apostolic commitment. In verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appoint elders for each of the churches upon their departure. The Greek term here for elder is presbyteros, which is the origin of the English word for priest. Even though Greek has another specific term for priest, the distinct office of bishop, episkopos in Greek, was sometimes confusingly also referred to in the New Testament with the Greek presbyteros. This is not entirely surprising, since a priest takes part in nearly all the sacramental functions of a bishop, short of ordaining new bishops, priests, and deacons. A bishop is indeed a priest, having the fullness of the priesthood. It is clear, however, from the Church Fathers, most notably St. Ignatius of Antioch, writing in the early 100s AD, that the offices of bishop, priest, and deacon were differentiated from the earliest days of the Church. These offices were conferred, as to this day, by the laying on of hands. Our psalm this Sunday is Psalm 145, which is on the whole an exuberant praising of God, attributed to King David. It is interesting to note that in the original Hebrew, this psalm is an acrostic, with each line starting with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. This is sort of thing often lost in translation. Though Monsignor Ronald Knox rendered these psalms in English acrostics in his very beautiful translation of the Bible. You can find the Knox translation in print and free online. This Sunday's second reading is Revelation 21 verses 1 through 5, toward the end of John's vision when the new heaven and the new earth are revealed as they will be at the end of time. This is the culmination of the whole of scripture. There is an Old Testament precedent for this new heaven and new earth imagery in Isaiah 65:17, And Peter also uses it in his second letter as well. Our Lord's words in verse 5 are actually my favorite in all the scriptures. Behold, I make all things new, echoing Isaiah 43:19. Lest that be confusing, this imagery does not indicate a replacement creation so much as a renewed creation. In the context of the previous chapter, the old heaven and earth have been the scene of a great destructive battle between good and evil and necessarily require restoration. That the sea is no more is a reference to the sea having just been depicted as a place of the dead in Revelation 20.13, as well as the origin of a great beast in Revelation 13.1. The new Jerusalem coming down from heaven is a symbol of the church, the bride of Christ. And the one on the throne is the bridegroom lamb, Christ. Both Paul and the prophet Isaiah spoke of God's relationship with his people in marital terms. At John 14, verses 2-3, through 3, Jesus promised he was going to prepare a place in heaven for his disciples, which corresponds to the initial stage in a Jewish marriage. 
Here the bride and bridegroom are entering the final stage when they come together to share a dwelling. The heavenly Jerusalem strikes a contrast with the harlot city of Babylon described in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Paul and the letter to the Hebrews both use language of a new heavenly Jerusalem as well. The special presence of God in the tabernacle during the Exodus, and within the Holy of Holies in the later Jerusalem temple, is fulfilled and exceeded in the new heavenly Jerusalem. God's dwelling is with the human race. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will always be with them as their God. The prophet Ezekiel foretold of this reality upon the arrival of the new covenant. See Ezekiel 36.28 and 37.26-28. Like the messianic banquet prophesied in Isaiah 25.8, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order has passed away. The fall has been undone and humanity redeemed by the sacrifice of Christ. The apocalyptic imagery in Revelation can be confusing, and is often behind the nonsensical predictions of doomsday preachers. I highly recommend reading the book with a good Catholic commentary, such as the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible or the Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture, both of which can be obtained for reasonable prices. I'll link to more good resources in the show notes at studycatholic.com. I will leave you with just one general tip here. Most of the visions of Revelation are liturgical in nature, or actually describing past events in coded language. There is very little concrete information about the second coming of Christ or the end of the world here. Remember, the true meaning of apocalypse is to reveal, in this case, revealing God's providence amid the persecutions of the early church. Revelation's purpose is not to provide secrets about the future as much as to reassure that the Lord's faithful will ultimately be victorious. Our gospel this Sunday is John 13, verses 31 through 35, which takes place immediately after Jesus and his disciples have left the Last Supper. Jesus says, Now is the Son of Man glorified, once again invoking the one like a Son of Man, who was given dominion and glory and the kingdom in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. We have discussed this prophecy a number of times already on the podcast which is a testament to its importance for understanding who Jesus is. The twist is that Jesus' exaltation will come by his unjust crucifixion. The essence of this reading is as profound as it is simple. After once more warning them of his coming death, Jesus offers the new great commandment of the new covenant. As I have loved you, so also you should love one another. In this, he echoes and supersedes the so-called golden rule found in the Old Testament at Leviticus 19.18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus loves us more than himself. He does not love with a merely human love and calls his disciples to love with a divine charity that did not withhold his own life for our redemption. To imitate this love is only possible by the grace granted to us by the Holy Spirit. As Paul says at Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. That's all we have time for today. Let's conclude with a collect from this Sunday's Mass. Almighty, ever-living God, constantly accomplish the paschal mystery within us, that those you were pleased to make new in holy baptism may, under your protective care, bear much fruit and come to the joys of life eternal. 
Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more and find resources, visit studycatholic.com. And please tell your friends about the show and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks again, and God bless.